I'm Tally Mahoney, and welcome back to The Good Room, where we have interdisciplinary conversations about what makes a room good. And today we're talking about a good dining room. When we think of restaurants, we often think of the food quality or the service. But the architecture and interior design can also play a pivotal role in the restaurant's overall success. It contributes to the narrative and the concept, creating a more immersive environment. So today we're talking about this with Mala Vasudevan, an interior designer out of our Austin office, and Kevin Olson, the lead architect of the restaurant Bacalar, which is located in the 44 East Residential Tower in Austin, Texas. So Kevin, could you start us out with telling us a bit more about this design? We worked with Urban Space Hospitality, which is a group in Austin, Texas, that started in the real estate market and has become a developer and in a sense expanded into some restaurant concepts. So they were our client and our design partner for the Bacalar project. And we served as the executive architect. So my role as the lead project architect was taking the client's vision and concept for a coastal Mexican Yucatan inspired cuisine in this space. So that partnership worked really well. And and we, as executive architect, had a range of consultants and a range of in-house experience with the existing building design that allowed the the restaurant to both increase in size physically using some of the uh, strategies and techniques that we employed in research and, and the knowledge we brought to the table allowed that restaurant to really maximize its efficiency and, and take on some additional technical aspects with the kitchen performance and the kitchen capabilities that allowed that the menu and that restaurant to be an even better you know, asset to the project. Yeah, and it's definitely a great design. Could you tell me some about how this design of restaurants can help build a strong narrative that aligns with that restaurant's values or their branding? How might that be achieved? The real intent and the real goal of any project is to deliver an elevated and memorable guest experience. And I think with clients, there's a vision that, that kicks it off. It, it might be an experience they had. It might be a concept that has not been provided, certain cuisine or certain kind of ambiance that's maybe missing in an area or something new to the market, a cuisine or experience that's new to a certain city or certain region. So there's a variety of ways restaurateurs will bring these different concepts to life. And you know, part of our role and part of our design process is, is zooming in on that and studying what that looks like in a way that is constructible and truly brings it to life. And the look and feel of a restaurant space, the ambiance, the tone, the, the color, texture, these different designs, techniques, and strategies we employ are all building on that narrative. And we're developing the guest experience through these different techniques. And you know, our goal as design architects is to find our way to make each project unique. It all kind of starts with the, the branding. And really, branding really comes down to what are the values, principles, what are those key notes, then how does that then translate into that specific restaurant entity that they are now about to launch, but then also honing in deeper and further into what that conceptual storytelling experience then evolves into being. And I think it all really comes down to helping the client if they're not as clear on their objectives, on their values, helping that narrative be slowly built and what that means in terms of patrons walking away from that dining experience. What does that really come down to? And what is that experience? How is that meaningful to that patron? How are they going to return? How does that experience then evolve into them speaking about that dining experience to their friends, family, et cetera? 
and creating a buzz in the community and, and then creating a true presence in the local community as well. So it all kind of translates into that. I actually went to dinner last night in this restaurant that was in a hotel. And it was really fascinating to me how quickly it moved from feeling like I was in a hotel and then walking into the restaurant, which was a Japanese restaurant, and how the materials and the wall decorations and the ceiling designs, how all of those came together to make me feel like I was stepping into a different experience. I was almost in a different building. I imagine that's as well part of branding. How do you think about those moments? One of the things that I think about as we deliver projects is immersion. Immersion really means the smallest detail to the biggest concept. In, in a tactile sense, it's the signage on the bathroom doors and then the menu and the sign outside and the bags for takeout. Each one of those things, the, the more consistent, the more that brand is represented at all these different scales. That's just an indicative of complete design vision. And in that sense, that immersion is captured. I think that's what a successful experience should be. That is the true testament is do you feel transported in some way or another from your day-to-day to another experience? And for those couple of hours, it feels like you've actually traveled out of space and time in a way. If you're looking at how Disney does it and how a lot of spots in Vegas, for example, they do it. They they have a way of really transporting you from the moment actually you're reserving, you're booking for that space. Everyone is in character. Everything is in character. The minute you break from character is the minute the fantasy kind of breaks apart. That goes for everything. The set design, which in this case could be the architecture, the interiors, the servers, how they're interacting with the patrons. The cuisine, of course, is the key in within this. But that more high-end level dining experience, you expect a certain level of continuity in terms of that branding, aesthetic, storytelling experience. And talking with that continuity and as well with talking more about luxury dining, sometimes you'll see in those types of environments, a private room where somebody, it could either be for a private event or for a smaller dinner party. How might you think about having continuity of the concept of the restaurant, but also creating a more intimate scale? Yeah, scale is, is a difficult thing in restaurants to capture because there's a need for the technical aspects of flow, path, and efficiency of kitchen operations, service operations. The private dining area is something we actually did do that in Bacalar. It's at least in this case, it's critical to both event function and the operation, the kind of the target market for larger dinner parties, you know, small events, you know, executive dinner, things like that. So there's, I think, a balance between privacy and view is probably the first hurdle to cross with design because there's the importance of tying the ability of sound and insight to be cut off for the sake of privacy or that event to truly be private. And then also to provide an alternative view, an alternative sound experience when you're in the space such that you're consistent with the brand and consistent with the ambiance just generally of the restaurant. In our case, we were actually struggling with two walls within the space being glass. So we had two services to work with to apply material and texture to convey the, the design from within the space. And then acoustically, it's also the same kind of problem with the two walls of full height glass. We really have an acoustic problem with so many reflections coming from those large surfaces. So both you know, wall material along the public side, or at least the side that faced the restaurant, there was 
impetus from the owner to go full height drapery for flexibility and acoustics. And from our perspective, we fully supported that and we work with them to detail that out and provide integrated track and look at spacing and layout and configuration of the table such that there was appropriate space around it. But we also brought to the table the ceiling texture. There's really that additional surface above. And then on the ground floor, we knew we had wood floors. So textures and materials from the rug would help acoustically. So in this case, we balanced the ceiling and floor treatments with the glass walls to provide correct acoustic balance. And then we decided to use that flooring, that wood material as a wall paneling that converted for television space for the private events that may want a technological component. And I think. Efficiency probably is a better way to describe all of this. Efficiency in space planning and materials and surfaces and, and mechanical electrical components. So we're always striving for efficiency in our designs. So as, as resources become limited, as energy becomes more expensive, as labor, you know, post-COVID market industries like the restaurant industry have been hit hard with changing labor markets. You mentioned the labor as well as a piece of this, which had me thinking about how the labor in restaurants has changed a bit in the last few years with third-party app deliveries and Uber Eats has changed, at least in my experience, how restaurants might operate and in part how it might look, where sometimes there's a separate area for pickups and there's a different back entrance or there's different people coming in and out. How might in the design, how do you think about that being a, a new piece that's becoming more popular? From just a patron's viewpoint, what I have noticed as designers we should be addressing is how is that entrance point for patrons that are dining in feeling and looking different versus the entry point for people coming in to pick up or a third party entity coming in to pick up for delivery, et cetera, et cetera. Because mixing the two populations can be a little chaotic and really from the get-go strategizing if your business is is going to be entertaining those third-party resources, then how could those entry points differ from each other? How could those not have to interact and collide basically in within the interior of the space, but still have its own unique experience? One's not secondary to the other necessarily because they're both key parts of the business. So really trying to balance the two and addressing that as designers with the restaurant group yeah, it's interesting, Mal. I think even zooming into the delivery pickup market, there's is within that even two separate things, which is if I just decided to do takeout tonight instead of dining in, I think owners and restaurateurs would certainly want their guest experience to actually still be fully consistent for that, right? But that takes more space. That takes just more resources to make happen. And the, the contrast of that would be the kind of business to business delivery that might want to be separated. And I think, you know, it's funny, we go through this when we talk about just the back of house service, right? When this comes to dishwasher pickup, you know, busboy goes by and we don't want to see them for very long once they do their work and move those dirty dishes out of the way. Those back of house things we think about all the time. I think applying some of those principles here and maybe distinguishing delivery pickup is probably where that market's going to change and evolve. And maybe there's a more appropriate way to design service entry for deliveries that are truly cranking out. But that guest experience is critical, I think, for the, the regular patron. So I don't know. I, I kind of see that almost stratifying in the future. Certainly, Tully is as businesses evolve. And I think it ended up probably seeing a convergence of service space and lobby or service space and entry 
getting closer where instead of, you know, front door, kind of dining room, and then back of house, it's going to become the back of house is going to turn sideways and get closer and closer to the entry. Yeah, I think it's an interesting problem to think about and solve for the future, because I'm also thinking in terms of there's the third party entity that's coming in to pick up the order and deliver it to your house. There's that. Then there's the individual themselves coming in to just pick it up. But if I'm going to pick up something and eat it at my house or at a friend's place, I'm probably not dressed to go for a dining (laughs) experience, right? So then you're encountering this population that may be on a date night and they're dressed up. So it's that colliding and the person that's just picking up, they're in a bit more of a rush, but it's not really the experience of someone in coming in for a reservation. It's not time for their reservation. Great. They're going to sit with a drink. They'll take their time. So what does that initial wait space look like as well? And is that, should that be separate? Should that be combined? They're still delivering a taste of that restaurant branding, narrative, concept, all of that, not lowering those kinds of standards that you've set for that in-house dining experience for that person that's picking up. Do you think that creating a well-rounded narrative or the design can help attract people to weigh the decision from, oh, it's so much more comfortable to just be at home. So I want to go somewhere. I want to have this experience. Do you think that integration or immersion that we talked about earlier, do you think that could be persuasive to somebody? Certainly persuasive. I would argue we are striving for persuasive. We are ideally hoping for passionate, lifelong customers. That's really what we're trying to do with design is create someone that maybe they only go there once or twice a year or maybe every few years, but they evangelize, they talk about it. It creates so much memory and has such a good experience that it sells itself. I think from that standpoint, it's less about convincing and it's, it's more about just reinforcing that. On the note of entertainment and kind of creating a little bit more, let's say, with restaurants and hospitality environments, I do think we're seeing a convergence of kind of a more complete experience of not just dining, but it's entertainment. Some are even seeking for work from home accommodations. I think as work from home culture is kind of expanded and COVID, I think, accelerated that. We've seen everything from restaurants deciding to not put outlets out. They don't want that to happen. They want to invite conversation. They want to kind of incentivize the social aspect. And on the other side, you know, accommodating that so that people do come in and people just naturally work there or have a a chance to post up for a few hours. So I think all of those things are kind of evolving individually and we're seeing different trends develop. But holistically, from a design standpoint, there's so much opportunity with growing hospitality to encompass more than just the individual dining or entertainment experience. And there's a lot of flexibility with furniture systems and and space planning and design that we can do that allows a restaurant to pull the tables out and become a dance floor pretty quickly or accommodate a band or any kind of special events within it. So as long as the business case and program from the initial concept or at least in a renovation or any kind of new concept that develops, as long as that works financially and to the best interest of the operations, there's there's a design solution that can make it even better. And I think we can we can build on that and probably introduce some new things that, that haven't been thought of yet. There's a lot of opportunity in the hospitality space. Coming back to that point of our convincing people to come in and have a dining experience within the restaurant versus just getting takeout. I think that really speaks to that initial dining experience that you have at the restaurant. How well did that go? And the food may have convinced you, but if everything else didn't convince you, yeah, you're probably just picking up the food. And the experience obviously was not tied in well enough to convince you to come back again for that 
specific experience of dining in. So I think there's a lot of strategies Kevin also mentioned, but I think a big part of it is also lighting strategy is something that we haven't really touched upon. But I think in terms of the lighting strategy and how as designers, we can really utilize that to either create that environment that you sit and stay for a long time. You create an environment of intimacy and a little bit more of an elevated dining experience. If that is the conceptual goal to begin with, there's so much we could do with just creating that ambient lighting that can do so much work for us, along with building on the furniture, the decor, the artwork, everything. It can highlight all of these aspects of the restaurant if done well. And so creating more of that ambient environment, you are inviting people to kind of take rest when they enter. They take a moment, breathe in, and then start savoring each moment. And when the food comes in, that's something to sit and really enjoy and take your time in and order that extra drink. So there's ways to integrate lighting that really creates that mood psychologically for you to stay long. And then there's lighting strategies that are more for fast, casual restaurants that's much more bright. And it's meant for you to come in, get exactly what you want, know what you're getting, and then be able to shift out as quickly so that they can have as many people coming through the restaurant as possible versus a fine dining restaurant. It's a different kind of approach. Yeah, it's funny. I think back to so many different projects when we're having that conversation about lighting, it's dismissed pretty quickly and it's, it's really not understood. There's so much that can be done. And I think more often than not, we're fighting too many options. And we're trying to make the most effective and prominent choice front and center. Because if we had our had more latitude or at least had more, certainly more budgets and time and bigger ceilings, we would support lighting that did everything from dining, fast, casual to entertainment, stage lighting. Those are all things that some restaurants have and some restaurants invest in for that program. But we really have to make our lighting fixtures do a lot more than just one thing these days. So that's always something I think it's it's hard to balance and it's important because costs do add up and it's something we have to be effective with. And, you know, spaces can certainly be overlit too easily, underlit as well. Lighting controls do a lot, but when we do and it, it works well, like any restaurant you've been in where they did the lights and everybody looks up, we all noticed it. That's something that we do our job well. No one knows it. And the experience was just wonderful. And we know in the background that lighting is, is doing a lot of really cool things for us. For sure. Just so many different ways we can utilize it. It can be the feature element in a space. It can be the art piece or it can create a sense of an art piece. I recently was traveling and we had gone to this restaurant. I was looking at it during the day and they had this nice little bookshelf fixture to the back wall and they had this collection of pottery. And there were lovely pieces of pottery, but I didn't really think twice about it. I came there for dinner and the whole back wall was lit up in such a way that each of those elements integrated together, the lighting, up lighting and wall grazing and just backlighting, all of these different strategies that they used within this restaurant created a completely different atmosphere from day to night. It transformed into an art piece and it was purely the lighting. Right. Speaking of double, triple duty, I don't know if it's a multi-coating or it's it's really just the you're almost iridescent that happens on some of the glazed tile and bricks that we're seeing these days. You know, certainly in Bacalar, the kind of Mexican-inspired colors and textures from from the Yucatan and that environment, and, and even just regionally within the Austin, Texas area, Syria, there's 
there's a lot of history and a lot of you know pedigree of those kinds of materials. And I always love to see what a wall wash on that or sunlight hit that. It's it's just so rewarding to see almost spectral kind of color dispersion. So agreed 100% lighting, showing time and showing evolution throughout the day is a great design effect. It doesn't surprise me with what you were saying, Kevin, that sometimes that's where you might get the most pushback or it's misunderstood in a certain way. Maybe it's that when lighting is done well, it just falls to the background. You see those pottery pieces and you think, oh, that's beautiful, but you might not necessarily attribute that to the lighting behind it. So it doesn't surprise me when it's done poorly, then you know it's hurting your eyes, but it's too bright or those angles are off. Yeah, you know, so to build on that, I'll never forget in high school, I was in part of the jazz ensemble and our director, he, he always made this example and I think it's a good one, which is we have five senses, but we effectively can only concentrate on four at a time. And his example of this is you're driving along, got your hands on the steering wheel, you can feel the vibrations through that, your sight is consumed. But what's the first thing you do when you hit a bump or you do something, you turn the stereo down? It's the first reaction, right? And why is that? It's because you have to reduce your senses to focus on the most apparent ones. The classic example of this in a restaurant that I love to use, and so certainly something we've seen is nobody likes to see a fire extinguisher. Nobody likes to see an exit sign. You know, but these things are required. These things are part of the life safety design of a project. But the reality is there's probably a lot of spaces you've been in where they've been there. You've just never seen them. And why have you never seen them? Well, your senses were heightened otherwise. Your taste, your smell, your sound were already at the top because that's what you're there for and that's what you're expecting. And it's really only the things that differ that stand out. So it's only if there's an exit sign right in front of you or it's one that's broken that you notice it. There's a lot of them that you've just never seen, but they're there. You know, as designers, we're working to balance the things that are required and things that are that are needed in a project, you know, just at a baseline to the things that are more important to the design narrative and more important to the vision. I think, Kevin, you mentioned things that are not great to look at disappearing, but that I think a big strategy is as designers thinking of what that dining experience is like as a patron and being able to envision what that line of sight is within each seating group that you've planned within the space and to really make sure there's not a bad seat in the house, right? Yeah, I zoom out a little bit to the process of the menu in the service. So I'm wondering, Mala, what you think about balancing at least the back of house relative to the dining space, certainly in terms of delivery and base planning in that sense, but also guest experience and kind of visibility. Because there was for a while a big trend of kitchens being open, right? That was the thing. And it's it certainly, I think it does depend on cuisine, but that, that kind of went away. But I'm curious what you think about the balance between that back of house kitchen, its visibility and its, its sound and all the, all the smells, all the things that come with your kitchen being open and exposed. and That's a great question. I think that it really depends on what you're getting to see as a visual of the kitchen, right? Are you seeing the dishwashing stand or are you seeing the head chef really creating his magic and seeing how that's coming together and his passion and his integration of the rest of the staff? There's that quality of entertainment that Tully had mentioned with the dining experience. That is the entertainment, right? Making sure you're tailoring that view in a very intentional way. And it's not just this open kitchen environment. What is the framed view of that kitchen that you're allowing the patrons to see? And what's the what part of that chaos? is 
not ideal. <laughs> to me, I think when you're seeing people in their element, whether it's musicians, artists, and in this case, chef, there's a beauty and magic and an immersion to that. And you're seeing the, the level of detail and the process in which your food is being cooked. You're already invested into the food and the meal because you're seeing the process of it. Look at some of the Netflix's top shows, right? We do have an obsession with seeing how things are made. And I think that's that may be probably the, the theme here is with the right storytelling and the right presentation, the kitchen is pretty exciting and entertaining. And and that's something even like as servers, as you're explaining the cuisine for, of the night and even just in the menu itself, providing some sort of narrative and understanding of what you're about to experience. And even going down to the website, when you go to make a reservation, having that website and the user experience within that site, what is that like? And how does that give you an initial little teaser? As designers, these are all aspects of the process that we can help clients through so that all of it's very curated, all of it's very much consistent, and that break of character doesn't ever happen. That seems like a great place to end. I want to thank you both, Kevin and Mala, for joining me. Yeah, this is wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And yeah, it was great talking to you both. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to explore these ideas. 